Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, February 4th. This is your FT News Briefing. UK and EU regulators are set to pursue antitrust probes into a $40 billion deal between two computer chip giants. Google's threatening to pull out of Australia, and Microsoft hopes to benefit. Plus, we'll ask why Mario Draghi was the top pick to form Italy's next government. And then we'll take a close look at the surprising winner during the pandemic, discount retailers. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. British-based chip designer Arm Holdings has become a huge player in the market for smartphones and other devices that require low-power chips. That's a big reason European and British regulators are now both set to pursue in-depth antitrust probes into NVIDIA's plan to buy Arm from the tech group SoftBank. U.S. regulators are also looking into it. The $40 billion deal was announced last year. Arm now licenses its technology to a variety of companies that compete with NVIDIA. The concern is that Arm will lose this neutrality if NVIDIA takes over, but NVIDIA's chief executive, Jensen Huang, said Arm would retain its neutral status under his company's ownership. Mario Draghi has agreed to try and form Italy's next government. Draghi is the well-respected former president of the European Central Bank, but he could face trouble uniting Italy's different parties. I'm joined by the FT's Italy correspondent, Miles Johnson, to talk more about the challenges he faces. Miles, Draghi jumping in here to form a coalition government is kind of a surprise given that he's never really expressed an interest in electoral politics. Uh, Why is he diving in now? Well, firstly, yes, he has repeatedly told people close to him that he had no interest in getting into the difficult world of Italian politics. But, you know, this is a moment of acute national crisis. You know, Italy is suffering, obviously, from the coronavirus pandemic and the resulting economic sort of crisis from that pandemic. And he is effectively responding to an urgent call to serve his country from the Italian president. You know, um, the president, Sergio Mattarella, has tried to piece back together or allow the political parties in Italy to piece back together the coalition government that collapsed in January, and that was not possible. And so he smashed the sort of emergency glass in his office in um, sort of a metaphorical sense and picked up the phone to the one man who he believes can possibly get Italy out of this situation. So Draghi was a governor at the Bank of Italy. He spent nearly a decade at the ECB. How does this time at central banks prepare him for the political job he's entering? Mario Draghi is quite easily one of, if not the most highly regarded, um, you know, sort of figures to come out of the Eurozone crisis. His time at the ECB is obviously credited with saving the entire single currency with his famous, you know, whatever it takes intervention in 2012. And so, you know, for his supporters, Draghi is cast as a man who is used to dealing with crises. And also when he was at the ECB, he, you know, he had to do something which was quite difficult, which was convince skeptical Northern European countries, notably the Germans, that a sort of different tack was needed in terms of monetary policy and intervention. And he did that. And it, his decision was, you know, by the time he left in 2019, was seen to be vindicated. And so for his supporters, you know, this is a man who takes hard decisions, also builds consensus. 
And now, with all that in mind, can he get the support he needs to build a coalition government? Because though he's been tapped for the task, uh, there's no guarantee. It is no guarantee he's going to have to get parties both from sort of the left and the right. And that is not a simple task, although I think, you know, the sort of general opinion of the people we're speaking to in Rome, you know, sort of MPs from various parties that, you know, he will probably do it. You know, there's enough goodwill and also moral suasion on behalf of the Italian president that, you know, the political parties will probably back him. Miles Johnson covers Italy and Italian politics for the FT. Thank you, Miles. Thank you. Australia's Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, is set to speak this week with Sundar Pichai, chief executive of Google and its parent company, Alphabet. The country and the company are at odds over legislation that Australian lawmakers may soon pass. It would force big tech companies to pay for news content. Google has threatened to shut its search engine in Australia in response. It's been lobbying against the proposal along with Facebook. Meanwhile, Microsoft yesterday slammed Google for threatening to leave the country. Microsoft said it supported the draft law and offered to fill the gap left by Google's potential exit with its own search engine, Bing. Google currently has more than 94% of the search market in Australia. Bing has less than 4%. And now to the world of offline retail. Many brick-and-mortar stores have been crushed by the pandemic, but one kind of store has flourished, discount retailers. The FT's retail correspondent Jonathan Ely looked into who is buying and how much discount retailers have grown. Discount retailers have been expanding at a fantastic rate. So to give you an idea, in the UK, B&M and Home Bargains, which are two of the leading discount chains, both at about five or 600 outlets. Um, if you go back to 2000, they had perhaps a couple of dozen. And then in the United States, if you take the, the so-called dollar stores, the biggest of those is called Dollar General. That has an amazing 17,000 stores, but that's not stopping them from opening another thousand this year. So, so Jonathan, what would you say the appeal is for shoppers apart from the obvious one, which is, of course, price? Well, to be clear, price is still really important and not just for um, people on lower incomes. There's, a, there's an old saying in retail that the poor need a bargain, but the rich love one. <laughs> um, so that is still uh, really important. Um, but the other thing is the shopping experience is very clear. You know exactly what you're going to a discount store for. And the way most of them work these days is they have a portion of their range is constant. So you can always get the same brand of toothpaste or shaving cream. And then there's another portion of the offering that rotates. Uh, it rotates with the seasons. So uh, at Christmas, you'll have lots of toys. At Easter, you'll have lots of Easter eggs. In the summer, you'll have lots of things for gardening and, and so on. And people really like that treasure hunt element of, uh, of, you know, you go into the store, you never quite know what you're going to get, what's going to be on offer uh, this week. And because people understand that the offers might be time limited, that, that creates an immediacy to purchasing that, that people actually quite like. So it's fun and it's cheap. Um, how did the pandemic grow this trend in discount retailers? Um, I think it's accelerated it in um, three ways, possibly. 
One is that in most countries in which they operate, these kind of variety discounters were classed by their respective governments as essential retailers, largely because they sell homewares, they sell personal goods, and quite a lot of them sell a limited range of food. And that meant they were allowed to remain open during the various uh, lockdowns. Um, So when other shops are shut, that obviously pushes more shopper traffic towards your stores. Secondly, the pandemic has brought uh, varying degrees of financial hardship, perhaps to some people who hadn't previously experienced such hardship. And thirdly, the pandemic has pushed more retailers, more conventional retailers into financial distress. And what that does is it results in store closures. So more units become available to rent the bargain stores. And quite often those units have been located in parts of the country where it's been too difficult or too expensive to expand in the past. In fact, in my piece on um, bargain retailers this week, Tunbridge Wells, which is a very sort of leafy, quite upmarket commuter town in the south of England, B&M opened a, a discount store there in about the middle of last summer. And apparently that's now one of their best performing stores. Mm. So, Jonathan, can these stores continue to expand rapidly? Can they continue to expand rapidly? Well, that is the million-dollar question, if you like, because but the COVID pandemic has also encouraged people to adopt online shopping. And selling online is problematic for discounters. They tend to have very low average basket sizes. Typically, people only spend maybe eight or 10 pounds or 15 pounds or euros or dollars on each trip. And it's very hard to make e-commerce work on those types of price levels. And so, I mean, really in boardrooms across the world, they're sort of sitting and scratching their heads and trying to figure out how to fix this conundrum. And it seems like the first step is going to be click and collect, where people can order online, but they have to go to the store to collect whatever it is they've ordered. Of course, for the retailer, the benefit of that is that they don't have to pay for the sort of last mile delivery, which is quite complicated. So it's it's a sector with good growth prospects for the next year, but some big challenges as well. Jonathan Ely is the FT's retail correspondent. Thank you, Jonathan. No worries. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. From a local business to a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America gives your operation access to exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.